Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic science podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. That's so second millennium special breaking news edition here at the Society of Catholic Scientists Conference. That's right. We're here at the uh, Washington Hilton Hotel in D.C. And it's been great to be back amongst uh, live intermixing uh, human beings in a great hotel setting. And uh, uh, the uh, the director of the uh, society, uh, Stephen Barr, seems to have put together a really great yeah. Did indeed put together a great uh, conference. Would you yes. say, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. We've been waiting. I had I crossed out the zero on my note in my notebook for the CS of 2020. Uh, so, so this is 2021 <laughs> now. But uh, yeah, we had the, sta- the same. Uh, I think a very similar slate of speakers to what was originally scheduled when uh, when things went south in um. March of 2020. But uh, yeah, so the topic of the conference was still. Um, it was a combination of extraterrestrial life and intelligence, and that would be sort of the hinge point where we can continue on and to consider uh, artificial intelligence. So yesterday we mostly considered uh, extraterrestrials, and there were were a few uh, speakers on other topics, and there was a poster session that covered a gamut of topics. Um, And then today we really covered uh, artificial intelligence, and its social and uh, psychological and philosophical implications. So one of the great... um, takeaways from yesterday, I mean, you know, one of the obvious, in a, in a sense obvious, but, you know, it's the great thing about, well, it's the great thing about, I think, the Society of Catholic Scientists and the way we approach things, and of course the great Catholic intellectual tradition that we're trying to, you know, feed back into, back into science, because right. of course that was one of the points <laughs> from yesterday as well, is that uh, it is to reinforce and uh, underline the fact that science, you know, was born in a Catholic milieu. It, it, it has deep roots in the medieval um, scholasticism, um, and of course, it goes back further than that, but it, it, it was it was not it was a hermeneutics of continuity rather than a hermeneutics of rupture. Very good, um, right? An, another appropriate um, way of understanding it. But yeah, but to come back to you know the distinctions between different kinds of extraterrestrial life, because of course we might consider and frequently consider. And Jonathan Lunin gave a great talk, mostly focused on this, on the question of finding, in particular, prokaryotic life, so bacteria or archaea, as a matter of fact, which look like bacteria to be uh, untutored eye, but their genetics are actually very, very different. Huh. Much more different than either one of those actually are from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's about the same difference as <laughs> either of them are from us, at least. So um, so that's, that's one, that's one um, and it would be extremely exciting to find that kind of extraterrestrial life, because that by itself, you know, that was a fascinating talk because he mentioned at the outset, you know, the need for humility and the role of humility in, uh, in, in, in being a Catholic scientist, but, but that's actually something that we can bring to the table as Catholic scientists. Um, and you can think of people among the new atheists and even not among the new atheists, but among them, it's sort of blithely secular, mm-hmm. uh, both within and without science, of course, that are, you know, that, that are lacking in that. And that, uh, that uh, it causes, of course, it causes conflict. That's a great human story, is it not? But that's, right. but that's something that we, you know, a virtue that can be under... Uh, underappreciated about the need for humility in science. And the humility in this, in this question is that people confidently, confidently expected, I mean, prior to about 1960, people confidently expected there to be life on Venus. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't even come up in this talk, and that, that surprised me a little bit because <laughs> that was that was really the case. And then it turns out Venus is 450 uh, Celsius at the surface, and no, there is there is no life, anything like what we would know. Yeah, um, we haven't found anything that looks like life on Venus. Um, and then we were really sure we were going to find life on Mars. I mean, right. Of course, back in the late 19th century, we thought there was you know forests on Mars that changed color with the seasons. Gosh, <laughs> wow. And that's not the case. As it turns out, that is not the case. Uh, not the case at all. And in fact, we have not found any evidence that really is at all convincing of even of this prokaryotic life, of this you know life being very complicated. But uh, you know that would be the simplest form of a very complicated thing, i.e., life. And uh, we haven't found it. We haven't found it. We've looked for it. Uh, haven't found it yet. Uh, and we might, we might conceivably find it. And some people are still extremely confident that we will. But, uh, but we really haven't. We really haven't. But we can distinguish that from, and I think, uh, I think Karen Ober made this distinction between prokaryotic life and then, as she put it, animal life. But you could, you could really say multicellular life. Right. Um, you know, there's the distinction between prokaryotes and eukaryotes, which are more complicated, and then, um, and then there's you know the the ability to actually and, and eukaryotes by themselves demand oxygen because their energy demands are so high. So prokaryotes were first, partly because prokaryotes um, can actually survive in anoxic environments like every planet aside from the current Earth that we know anything of. Mm. Like it, it, even at this point, I believe that's true of all the exoplanets that we've. Uh, We've studied there. There's, there's still none that have an oxygen atmosphere. Um, we haven't found that yet. Um, that would be that would be you know fairly smoking gun uh, <laughs> evidence for life something like ours. Yeah. In fact, but uh, yeah, yeah. So so that would be a, a whole different. That would mean that the prokaryotic life had pro- progressed to a higher level to able to do these amazing things like you know change 20% of the atmosphere into oxygen and suck almost all the carbon dioxide out of it for that matter. Um, yeah, and then of course there's the final question of actually you know, intelligent life, and then so there were many several talks that dealt with that in one way or another, and the ability for us to potentially contact it or it to contact us. Where would we look? Where should we transmit if we want to be found? Um, which is an open question. Do we want to be found? Uh, Dave, <laughs> we right? have no idea whether we would want to be found. Yeah, um, and we don't really know how other uh, civilizations would attempt to contact us, or or how we could, in fact, sweep the heavens for evidence that they don't mean to give us of their existence. Yeah, I'd say add another question. So it's, yeah, that's a beautiful thing when you actually start to consider the details. You know, there's 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 looking at things at a high level, yeah, and then and we need to look at things in a general perspective in many cases. But there's also you know, the things that you learn when you descend into the particulars, and then sometimes the things you learn when you descend into the particulars, you can take back with you to the general right. and, and realize that you've, you've had some insights you didn't have to begin with. Um, and then the, the, AI, the AI talks today, I was curious to get your opinion since you were able to join us today. Yeah. Well, uh, artificial intelligence has always fascinated me. There's always been a bit of a, uh, a nervous uh, reaction that I, I have to it. And um, just as the scientists did with uh, the uh, extraterrestrial uh, life, and they, they brought um, a real uh, humility and uh, still a, a robust curiosity to extraterrestrial life, I, I thought that they really brought that same kind of humility, uh, eagerness to uh, consider uh, different uh, opinions, different uh, futures, different possibilities, and then just a, a robust uh, curiosity, and always in the context uh, for these Catholic scientists of um, uh, remembering 
what's the purpose and what's the uh, what's the underlying dignity question, mm -hmm. and that that was uh, I, I thought that that was really good. Um, uh, so much of our uh, fantasies in popular culture about AI uh, deal with um, uh, you know we 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 think of this robot uh, who's just superhumanly smart like a Data on Star right. Trek or something, yeah. and. Um, uh, I think more than one speaker really talked about artificial intelligence. Still, ultimately, and at least for the time that we can foresee, AI is um, a tool, and it's it's going to be customized from purpose to purpose to purpose. Yeah. And uh, well, it should be because uh, uh, it, it it cannot and will yeah. not and should not replace a, a human being. Right. So uh, uh, that's something to, to keep in mind. And thank goodness there are folks like these scientists uh, and discussing these. And philosophers. Yeah. Right. A lot of the philosophers of science. And, uh, and yeah, we have to, we have to keep uh, remembering that aspect and keep drumming in uh, to those broader conversations the fact that, uh, you know, just because we can do something or can pursue something, we should. Yeah. That's not always... Uh, the case we should always understand and, and explore everything, yeah. but uh, yeah, uh, uh, put AI in its place, which is obviously going to be an extraordinarily robust uh, yeah. uh, space for achievement. Yeah. But at the same time, um, yeah, I was I was a little bit concerned about AI, and um, yeah, the, uh, one person said, yeah, AI uh, would and should not be persons, and. Um, uh, AI will always be customized, and uh, AI is a tool. It's the ability to, uh, uh, oh, here's the danger, too, and another great service to just, uh, you know, make explicit uh, the danger. Um, the, uh, the, the danger, if we go too far in making these humanoid uh, AI creatures, perhaps folks who are caring for the elderly in yeah. retirement homes or something, um, uh, we're going to make their behavior mimic personality, right. and a personality that is, uh, you know, so friendly to us and yeah. so delightful oh, yeah. and so smiley yeah. that it becomes a product that yeah. we like, yeah. and uh, and th there we're going into an area if we if we start uh, drumming into ourselves even more than we have already that uh, people or humanoids are uh, products right. uh, whose behavior is meant to be liked by us. It, you know, it's yeah. a marketplace society. Uh, well, that's, that's teaching us the wrong thing both about AI and about real intelligence, right. Right. human beings. Right. So yeah. uh, those are the kinds of things that, that, that struck me today, and I really, uh, really thought that it's so great to hear actual... Uh, scientists, leading scientists from leading universities, talking about these these subjects that often just get the slapdash and even often sometimes skeptical or mocking uh, uh, discussions in popular culture. Yeah. Uh, this was a con this was um, a, a gathering where people actually held intelligent conversations from multidisciplinary perspectives. Really good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the uh, and we have actually the last talk today, which is would also a great one to end this conversation on. You know, it really underlined the mission. It was about evolution specifically and the messaging about evolution. But uh, Sister uh, 
sister Michael Patrick. No, Stephen Patrick. That was her name. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's in the, uh, Dominican. In the, uh, uh, she teaches at a school in Lansing, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And she was discussing, you know, curriculum, you know, putting together a curriculum that mixes Thomism and evolution and shows, you know, among other things, the compatibility of Catholic faith and intellectual understanding of the Catholic faith with science, right. with, with modern science. And just, but just thinking in general about, you know, there is this belief rampant in the culture that's just, you know, it's been growing in crescendo, um, especially, especially in the last 25 years or so, um, that, you know, the religion and science are in inexorable conflict, religion yeah. is stupid, religion deserves to die, as a matter of fact. Uh, and that, you know, and that the, the young are really buying into this, you know, and what that covers. That's another whole podcast to discuss. But, you know, whether that's always, whether that's the stated reason, whether it's actually the real reason is another question um, in many cases. But that's, that's right. you know, that that's something that at least consciously uh, many teenagers and 20-somethings are like, you know, this, this religion stuff is silly, and it doesn't. Uh, and that's, that's just a complete... I mean, that depends on a complete misrepresentation of religion, of the Catholic faith anyway. Right. Um, and, you know, it depends on a really bad understanding of science into the bargain. So, or that's lack of understanding of science into the bargain. That's right. So, that's yeah. right. And then it really underlines that, uh, as our first speaker, Chris Bagla, would say, um, science is a mission field. Yeah, exactly. At point, science is really right a mission field. Right, for evangelization yeah. and also... Uh, uh, a good Catholic view of science can help evangelize the secular culture yeah. and clarify the secular culture's own kind of mixed, uh, you know, kind of a, a dual uh, a, a love for for uh, science. And also now, since COVID times, et cetera, a little skepticism toward science. Right. Uh, everybody's asking uh, religion for things that uh, religion isn't necessarily meant to do, and everybody's demanding of science stuff that science isn't necessarily meant to do. So to do, yeah. our society needs some good conversation and education. And the clarity that arises from those. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks, Bill. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.